Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 278 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to look at a single headline from the last week, and we'll be looking at UFC 297. And in our bonus section, we will be sumo stomping with Tim Bissell. We've got the mid point results from this current basho right now that's going on and man oh man double boob double boob is on top right now victor so that's we're gonna catch up with all of our fun uh character names and everything so y'all definitely want to listen to that but first victor how the hell are you I'm I'm glad that you had that qualifier because I also prefer my breasts to come in pairs. Uh, it's okay if they don't. You know what I mean. Sometimes you lose a sock and you make do, and that's just it's just fine. We can do, uh, we can work wonders regardless. I think I'm good. Uh, things are getting better. Had some ups and downs last week. The snow was melting. Uh, things are not as as it's not as brick outside as it was last week. Which oh god, I I'm so dying to finally finally be done with this but we got about another month or so other than the weather i've been eating good i've been feeling good and um yeah i guess we got some fights and stuff to talk about and some shenanigans more than that so let's go we do and the we'll go ahead and talk about the shenanigans which started before the fights sean strickland at the pre-fight press conference goes on an insane homophobic tirade to Alexander K. Lee, our good friend over at MMA Fighting. Alexander asked him questions about his own comments within the last six months. And Sean couldn't handle that. He was left tongue-tied for a moment trying to scramble for an answer because he had been called on something that he started the conversation on. But he didn't like that. He didn't like being called on that. And so he went on this rant that was just unreal. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that 10 years ago would have had the UFC scrambling to make apologies to Glad, like they had to do once before when Dana White went on a similar tirade against Loretta Hunt and a former MMA manager named Kim Pavia. OGs will know that name, but you new guys and gals won't. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yes, Dana White and the UFC had to make amends with Glad over that. But here we are, a little over a decade out from that, and this is where we stand. Where Dana White says, I don't police what they say, but 
you still, to this day, have in effect a code of conduct policy. Let's just remember that. Victor, please weigh in here. Oh, they do? They do have a code of conduct? I mean, I don't know. I, I, we've been making these jokes for how long now? Mm-hmm. About this, this, this bum-ass code of conduct and the fact that it is never enforced. Here's the thing with that. A lot of people have been raising this point, addressing the, the hypocrisy. Chris Reedy, chief among them, talking about the fines that were issued to Matt Mitrione for the things that he said about Fallon Fox, the homophobic comments that were made by Nate Diaz, and how that landed him, what, 20 grand or something like that they took out what of his about pocket? Miguel, Tor- uh, um, Miguel Torres yes, with his got, joke about the – and he was quoting a TV show. And he so got he, released over it. Yes, so he got cut over that whole situation when, you know, obviously, look, what he did was dumb. He admitted that it was dumb. He admitted that it was wrong. But he wasn't it wasn't coming from his heart. It wasn't him even trying to be hateful. Mm-hmm. But you don't make jokes about sex crimes like that without context and sure. not expect there to be some sort of backlash. Here's my thing with Sean. You bring up anything that has to do with him and it's a problem. He talks about Ian McGarry, Ian Gary's wife. He talks about, you know, everybody, Adesanya, everybody, right? And we've addressed this before. He talks about everybody. The moment you put it back on him, oh, he gets emotional and this is wrong and there needs to be boundaries and all this. Now they use his words against him. Now I want to say one thing too before I get any further. Alexander Lee, I don't know him personally. I've interacted very briefly with him. I have it on good, good authority that the dude is a gentleman. He is. Right. I, I've I've heard nothing but amazing things outside of my personal dealings with him. He's a consummate professional, and the guy raised a question that was very valid. Look, man, you're very outspoken. You're always talking about things that don't have to do with fighting. So you're in a city that is very diverse and very friendly to people that are part of the communities that are sexual minorities. And you are not – you can't be Sean Strickland, a man who literally wears a shirt that says cancel me. And then immediately take umbrage to being asked about your opinion when you freely provide your opinion unprompted at any given moment. When on it the suits topic, you. on the topic he was asked about too, specifically the, about yeah, that. And you know, yeah. this kind of reminds me of that old quote from Charlie Pierce when I think he still writes for Esquire. He used to back in the day. He said, "You know what, man? If your child's bus driver talked as much about other people's genitals and what they do with them as this guy does." You would want him on a list. You would want him looked out. You would want something that, like, you wouldn't trust that person. I don't know what's going on with Sean. I don't know if this is a product of how he's raised. I don't know if this is a product of the reactionary media bubble that forms around situations like this. Um, Clearly, clearly this is, is in many situations, the same kind of rhetoric that people had against gay people 20, 30 years ago. And we saw that fade, but it was not without struggle and without forcing progress to happen. And you just happen to find the one minority group in America for whom it is still acceptable for people to beat up on, both in terms of your language and in some cases even physically. And you're going to get a pass and people will support that. And we, we, as evidence of that, we've seen the reactions, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on social media or even in our very own comment sections, unfortunately, that have taken a nosedive. We, ha- we have people that I swear to God, rarely ever comment unless the word trans shows up somewhere in the headline. Mm. It could, you could be talking about driving a Pontiac Trans Am. It means, gender, gender. No, 
you cannot, this is a disease. There is a brain worm going on here. And I'm not going to get into the weeds as to where that began, what propagates it, but it is a problem and it is a worm that has burrowed itself very deeply into the brain of Sean Strickland. And he's out here spouting off at the mouth. And then he gets mad. He goes out there. He starts talking about Trudeau, seizing bank accounts. What is What did he expect Alexander Lee, Canadian citizen, to do about Justin Trudeau? Did he expect him to pick up a gun? What is he asking for? What did he actually like, – what does that have to do with the question? This is the Donald Sterling deposition. Sir, the question is, is this your handwriting? You know what I'm saying? This is, yeah. this is just – he's taking the long way to express all these things, to just let out all these things that he's mad at. And I suspect this is – he behaves as someone – and I don't want to do too much psychoanalysis here from where I'm at. I don't know that that's entirely fair. But he does strike me. I've, I've noticed this sort of behavior in people that don't have too many other people to talk to. Mm-hmm. That the moment they grab somebody, they just start going about some stuff that you're like, buddy, we don't need to go that. that this is a Wendy's. What are you doing? And this is what ended up happening there. So he ends up saying some, frankly, embarrassing and ignorant stuff. He asked Alexander multiple times if he's gay. I don't know how that would have been relevant to the situation at hand. I don't know what what point he thought he was trying to make with that. I, it's it's just baffling. And him losing, whether it was by decision, even if he'd been knocked out, it's not going to make his opinions any better. He's not going to see the light. Facing more calamities is not going to change his mind, nor that of anybody else that thinks in the similar vein. So this is where we're at now. And Raquel Pennington, <laughs> you say this on a card that has as a co-headliner, a fight between two fighters that are both gay. Well, he didn't say it, on, you know, in relation to those women being on the card. Those women were sitting right. on the panel to his left and right. Yeah. I mean, they were right next to him when he's saying this foul shit. That's just awful now i want to read something to you from the ufc's code of conduct policy okay it says discipline may be imposed for misconduct which includes but is not limited to the following examples now this is the one everybody is lighting onto, which is derogatory or offensive conduct including without limitation insulting language, symbols, or actions about a person's ethnic background, heritage, color, race, national origin, age, religion, disability, gender, or sexual orientation. That's the piece of the code of conduct policy that people are really focusing on. But there are two other areas that can also be folded into this in regards to Sean Strickland's behavior. One, conduct that imposes inherent danger to the safety or well-being of others. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, because they'll they'll whittle that down. You know? of, of course. But the, the point I'm making is, is that his comments can in effect be dangerous at some point, especially with the way social media works and the way people get doxxed and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I'm going with that. And the other one is violent, threatening, or harassing behavior. Was that not harassing and, and, and to a small degree threatening the way that Sean was just going off? I think that could also be folded in here. I maybe. I mean, I mean, it was I, certainly I, harassing. 
I, see, that's that's where it gets a little tight with me, right? Like, I don't know if that's when when you get into what is considered threatening, you know, you're going to have these guys have an amazing legal team. They're going to be trying to deflect it and be like, well, you know, he didn't really direct it toward any specific person or, you know, they'll try to rationalize it that way. And they'll, this they'll, is you a know, code th- of conduct policy for a company. This is not going to court, though. I'm talking well, true, about true. in the court of public opinion. We're looking at stuff that's happening online and social media. So I'm I'm in that vein, not in the court system. We're talking right. about people looking at things and seeing what they want. Well, maybe we should be looking at these other two I- ideas here that are in the code of conduct policy. Again, it is intercompany. It is not going to a yeah. courtroom. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at this, those two could actually be relevant here. They could, but they have no desire to enforce it. You need to have a will to do so. Exactly. I mean, that's the main starter. And, and we, this is, again, yet another thing we've addressed multiple times. But furthermore, what makes it even worse is who's running this company? Mm-hmm. The guy who slapped his wife on camera. Mm-hmm. I don't barely eked out anything that resembled an apology mm-hmm. and said, well, you know, I can't take any sort of leave or any sort of punishment because I'm too essential. <laughs> OK, OK, cool. He works for a company where fighters he had to beg fighters like Jamal Hill to stop defending him and talking poorly about his wife saying that she deserved it. This is where we're at now. Mm-hmm. That's so, the whole point I mean, I'm making. That's been out any discussion any conversation regarding the code of conduct to a degree becomes a moot point real quick because why? You know that you know that the, the inmates are running the asylum at this level and there's nothing else we can do about that unless you change management or leadership. And even then, I don't think they're going to be trying to do too much to uh, worry about that because the main thing is, are we losing money over this? No? Okay. Keep it moving. Yep. And then Dana said, you know, actually spoke for Raquel Pennington and Myra Bueno Silva by saying that they didn't give a shit what was said. But mm-hmm. that's not entirely true. As a matter of fact, it's not even on the surface true because Raquel Pennington did care. And she came out and she made a very, very eloquent statement. And so when I read her words, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read those out loud here real quick, uh, it says Honestly, for people like that, it hurts my heart to pass so much judgment at the end of the day. The things he says don't really impact my life, and it's not ever going to impact my life. It's not going to change what I'm doing and and how happy I am and how full my heart is. But things that are said like that and the judgment that's passed, it really impacts people. Stuff like that is not okay. That to me sounds like she gives a shit, wouldn't you say? Sounds like she definitely does, as she should. Man. Then she goes on and she says, I mean, they're about freedom of speech and that's fine. Everybody's allowed that. You're allowed your opinion and you're allowed to feel the way you feel. I just think that's why the world is the way it is. So many people have to make so many other comments about people's lives or the way that they live or gender or race. It all stems from there. It's like I can learn so much from you. 
you can learn so much from me if you're just willing to sit there and listen and learn as people. Extremely eloquent, wonderful words from her. Mm -hmm. But I can already hear what Strickland would have to say to that. And it makes, it makes quite honestly, makes me want to vomit. Yeah, I, it was very diplomatic what she said. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually very admirable that she took the high road on this Mm -hmm. and was accurate with what she had said. Um, What I, I guess I don't think she understands is just how far gone some of these folks are, but she's also not really focusing on that because her whole thing is, look, man, I'm happy with my life. I'm planning on healing and, and moving ahead after this fight. I'm not really thinking about any of this other stuff. And that's great, really. Uh, there's there's not much else you can ask for someone else. I wish that we'd have more Raquel Penningtons as the face of this than than people who go around like Sean Strickland and less fans like Sean Strickland. I don't. I, you you look at some of the comments that we got over this stuff. It's like, dude, where the hell? What rock did you climb out from under? It's insane. It's it's just so painfully unnecessary. But now that swallows up more energy than the fight. We're not talking about UFC 297. Sean Strickland, does he sell pay-per-view specifically because of the way that he talks and all the stuff that he does? I, I don't know that we'd have any evidence of that. Um, clearly, he had a lot of supporters in the arena. Clearly, he's garnered a lot of love and everything. And I, I just kind of feel like he's going through that same thing that Colby Covington did, where if it weren't for his views, would you really care to see him fight? Would you really be that thrilled? Has it been putting on barn burners? Nope, nope, and no. And, we, and yet we still have people <laughs> posting clips of this last fight against Drickus like it was a war, like it was, you know, like it was round one of Travis Brown and Andre Arlovsky, but for five rounds extended. It was not that. Stop it. It was not that thrilling. That it was not was that me- exciting. Somebody it wasn't there, bad. Somebody put mediocre weight, and it's perfect. Some guy actually said, and I retweeted this, he said, you guys got to stop talking about this like this was Rory versus uh, Rodney Waller. I retweeted that too. You got to stop. And he's right. (laughs) Indeed. I mean, I called it slop weights because that was a sloppy fight. First, it started off the first like round and a half, round and three quarters started off like it was a goddamn sparring match. It didn't even look like a fight. It was an okay fight overall, all yeah, things but it considered. Was it was fine. And messy and it, it was fine. It wasn't sound. It, not every fight needs to be a technical showcase. Not every fight. It was okay, and I think that's the biggest sin you can commit, more so than having a bad fight mm-hmm. in a championship. Is an okay fight. Is yeah. it just a pedestrian? Like this could have been the third fight from the prelims on mm-hmm. a no-name fight night event at UFC Lower Uncton. It, it could have been any of those. It could have just, just been an unrecognizable, this could have been on, you know, the old Bellator prelims from the Rebney era. This could have been two regional guys just going out there and swinging leather and doing all, it could have been that. Yeah. And you could have just simply, if it were not for the names attached, you really wouldn't be able to tell. And sometimes that's not the, it's not the worst thing. But it's not really inviting. It's not something that you're going to be like, yeah, I'm so glad I plunked down all this money on this card. I mean, look at the card in its entirety. Did you really feel like this was a pay-per-view worthy event at the end of it? Were you happy with it? No. And let me tell you, overall, I gave it a two. A two. Goddamn. Well, that's out of five. And and here's the thing. The first four fights on the card, every single fighter 
all eight of them was coming off of a loss for a pay-per-view. Yeah. All right. The entire undercard, every single one of them, unranked. Unranked! Mm-hmm. We get to the main card. Not all of the fighters on the main card were ranked either. Mark andre Barrio was not ranked. Uh, let's see here. Who is the other one? Uh, Mike Malott was also not ranked. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, hey, great great stuff you guys got going on there. The best only fight the best in the UFC. Exactly, Nowhere else. Exactly. Yeah, But yeah, I will yeah. say this. The first four fights were dope. They were all fire, fire starters. For <sighs> sure. Okay, okay. Let me stop you right there. What? I'm not going to disagree. However... However, we do also need to take into account the very important caveat. Some of those were meant to be squashes. Of course. Of course. Jasmine versus Priscilla was a squash. But Pollyanna versus... Yes. Um, uh, uh, oh, my God. No, Jillian. Blank. Versus Jillian. How yeah. did I blank on that? Yes, exactly. Like, what are we doing here? We know yes, those were very heavy favorites. Hold on. But Johan Linus was supposed to smoke Sam Patterson. And Malcolm Gordon was supposed to smoke Jimmy Flick. And we got the res- reverse on those. But those were okay, though. I was, I, th- but those the, were, the like, more were understandable. Okay. The others were okay. Why are you not okay with those squash matches? But because they're okay not as drastic. These. Priscilla probably shouldn't, as I mentioned in the previews, probably shouldn't even be in the UFC. Pollyanna Viana, what are her like really like what have been her great her best wins and what did they look like against someone like Jazz? No, come on, man. I, against someone like Jillian, who is a, a Jillian a, a was gifted, coming off of a loss just like she was. Yes, but against against a different caliber of opponent. And not only that, the losses Jillian takes don't look like the ones that Pollyanna takes. Her wins don't look the same either. Like, I'm sorry, there's a very defined ceiling for both of them, and they are very different looking ceilings. And that's the same thing that happens with Priscilla and Jasmine. Jasmine's clearly a a valuable asset to them for the Canadian market, a good prospect that's coming up in the game. Priscilla is older, shot, not a great athlete. All she's got in her pocket is that she's strong. That's not true. Okay, older, shot. She has a win over Ariane Lipsky. She's got a win over Gian Kim. Um, G- uh, Gina Mazzani, Shauna Dobson. I know those aren't the greatest names, but the one over Ariane Lipsky, that was her most recent win, just two fights back. Yeah, but That's Lipsky, a good was, win. Lipsky, Lipsky was in that patch, though. Yeah, she but was lost in the woods for that It doesn't matter if she's stretch. in a patch. Why does she get to be in a patch, but nobody else gets to be in a patch? Come on. Other people do. Other people do. Okay, but why Lipsky not? Was... Why, why does Cashuera not get that same thing when she beat Ariane Lipsky? See, you're you're not you're not give it, you're not fair with your with your judgments here. You Maybe give, I'm not. You give Lipsky a pass, but not Cashuera. I'm when not Cashuera really giving her. Beat I'm not... Lipsky. I'm not really giving her a pass. Uh, frankly, I, you I, did I, though. I, no. You just did. Am you, I? You are totally unfair. Lipsky was eating dog shit for a good stretch right there, and that's when Priscilla got her licks. And what's dis- now if she if whatever Lipsky did to rebound and do better to get to more recent successes, that's a different story. But I'm not really going to give her too much credit when that was. It's like when 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 Jim Miller was losing all those fights, fights that he should have been winning. You know, it's but, like that. Well, okay, but why can't Priscilla Cashuera have that same? Um, 
consideration here when she had those wins, you know, the ones over Ariane Lipsky and Jian Kim right before these two fights with Miranda Maverick and Jasmine Jasutavicius. Because the way she fights is bad. Her skill set is bad. Her looks are terrible. And she cheats in her fights. And I don't have, I don't, I'm not extending too much grace to somebody like that. Okay. I can understand that. If you just led with that, it would have been fine. Well, I didn't lead with that because it's only part of it, not the entirety of it. She doesn't always fight like shit, though. When she knocked out Ariane Lipsky, that was not fighting like shit. Okay. All and right. she did it quick, too. She did it in 65 seconds. Oh, well. So, anyways, I, I'm no fan of Priscilla Cachoeira, just so that I we can get that out there. I no, just, you're, you, I mean, you are trying to be fair, which, yeah, which exactly. I respect. I see that. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I definitely just want to be fair to them. Jimmy Flick defeating Malcolm Gordon um, felt like a feel-good story there, especially his reaction after. I mean, I thought dude was just going to kneel down and start sobbing in there. I mean, he was really, really emotional. I guess he had been through some some serious tough times and really needed that win. So that was kind of cool to see. But Malcolm Gordon taking that loss and then, you know, peeling off his gloves. And then they didn't even interview him when it was obvious he was retired. Yeah, that was that was very rough. I felt bad for Gordon, mm-hmm. man. Like, you know, it, he was winning that whole fight, too, all the way up until the end, until he wasn't. I really I really felt so bad mm. for for Gordon, not just because he ended up losing, but because, you know, I, I really felt that he was going to do a lot better. But it's hard not to see how emotional Flick was and how much this meant to him. And not feel like, okay, you know what? It, it takes this thing out of it a bit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Then yeah. we have the fight with Jasuda Vicious and, and Cachoeira. And here's my problem with this fight. My problem is that Cachoeira's uh, corner didn't throw the towel. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They should have. She ate more punishment than anyone in UFC history ever has. Has she really? Um, she before. Well, uh, maybe it's women's history, but she ate like two hundred and forty-eight punches to landing like four or six total. Oh god! Yeah, and before that, she was also in the one that had set the record before that when she fought Valentina, and Valentina outlanded her two hundred and eight to two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's she's been involved in two brutal losses. I think the most brutal <laughs> losses. It's insane. Mm. Um then we get to Sam Patterson and, and Johan Linus. That was kind of cool. Sam Patterson mm-hmm. went in there and got it done lickety split, especially against a much bigger dude, too. Yeah, and a very tough dude, too, because very I don't know if you've so. seen some of Johan's earlier mm-hmm. fights, some of his earlier wins. He's got a really smooth highlight reel. Yes, he does. And yeah, that was impressive. And then we get to one of my favorite fights on the entire card. Jillian Robertson has really hit her groove. She is so goddamn smooth. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this time it was a KO, TKO over Pollyanna Vienna. Now, somebody out there was tweeting that the only person on the card to get a KO, TKO was Neil Magny. And I can't find that tweet or who made it because I can't remember. But I went back to look and see, didn't Jillian get one? And I was going to go reply. No, that was a submission. 
it says th- here on Tapology, it's a K-O-T-K-O. Was it? I thought it was. Oh, I must be misremembering that. Okay. Yeah, it says right here that it was uh, K-O-T-K-O. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, ground strikes from back mount. That's probably oh, that's why right. you yes, thought it yes, was yes. a submission. But I right. went to go and reply to that guy, and I got sidetracked because Nate had messaged me, and I forgot. And then when I went to go look, my timeline had refreshed. Oh, that dastardly so, Nate. Maybe the guy from like embarrassment and shame just erased it. <laughs> Like, God damn, that Steffi's going to be on my ass. I can't afford this today. You know how I am. (laughs) I know. That's right. (laughs) Okay. And then this fight, Ramon Tavares and Sergei Sidi, it was, it was a, um, it was a rematch. Yes. And, and Sidi or Sidi, however you pronounce his name, I think it's Sidi actually. Um, there was some some controversy around the first time they fought when Sidey won. And so they go into this, and man, that was a slugfest, knockdown, drag them out brawl. Personally, I thought Sidey edged it out. Really? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Watch it again, because I did watch it a second time. It was so close. I mean, the, the way I had it, Sidey won. Tavares two and Sidey just barely edged out, edged it out in three. The split decision was perfect for me. I don't care that Tavares won because it was that close. I just personally thought that he edged it out just barely by a monkey hair, you know, just yeah, I mean, I th- barely. I thought it was close, but I thought Tavares won. I didn't. I didn't really understand why everybody was so upset. <laughs> Watch <laughs> like- the third round again. Man, that was an excellent fight, though. Probably the best fight on the card, actually. I Mm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Sean Woodson defeating Charles Jordan like Charles Jordan wasn't even in the fight. (laughs) Yo, that. And then it went to a split because. What in the hell was that one? It was a a, a female judge that that scored it for Charles Jordan. It had to be his mother. That's the only thing I can think of. It had to be his mother. She just used a fake name. Because I didn't have Charles Jordan winning a single fucking round. I had it 30-27 for Woodson. You know, I got to say something. I am so tired of you being so negative and hostile towards other women. I think what you are doing is clearly a problem with discrimination. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. You so um no, yeah, I I I don't know, man. That that that's I didn't actually pay attention to the scorecards on that one. I just like, oh wow, yeah, it doesn't look like uh doesn't look like Charles is going to pull this one out and mm. yeah, that was rough. That was really rough. Uh, Brad Katona got beat by Garrett Armfield, and that was an awful fight. It was gr- long and grindy, and I felt like it went on for 20 rounds instead of three. Um, was not, I, I, that one, that one was a stinker. Then we get to Mozart, Evloev, and Arnold Allen, and let me tell you, I was kind of hot under the collar after watching those slow-mo replays where it was clear that Evloev's hand was up off the ground. And Daniel Cormier and the, the commentary booth trying to push the narrative that it wasn't. They were saying that his hand was down when the, the knees were landing. They His hand wasn't. It's the whole point of the fucking replay. Now, I'm not saying that that would have ended the fight, but 
I tell you what, it changed the complexion because Mosar Iloev was stunned by those knees and they were legal. Watch the replay. Now, I'm totally fine with how this went, though. Totally fine. <laughs> I am. You, are because you sure? I thought that the ref not taking point uh, a point away was admirable. You know, he just gave a hard warning. But again, I feel like replay should have been used here. That's the thing. It should have been used and, and accounted for. But it wasn't. Only the commentary team used the replay to inaccurately call what was happening in it. So, you know, but I'm, again. I'm still, I'm still miffed at how Dana said that that wasn't a good fight. That was a great fight. I thought. Oh, was, not according to the boss man. Was, His opinion is worth more than ours. I thought it was great. I thought it was really yeah. awesome. You know no, what wasn't a great fight? Chris Curtis uh, and Marc-Andre Barrio. Sure, the third round was was a smoker for sure. Yes. But why did we have to wait to the third round? I'll tell you why. Because Chris Curtis is content to point fight until he's forced to do otherwise. Marc-Andre Barrio realized he was down on the scorecard, so he kicked up the action in round three and forced Chris Curtis to do something that went to a split decision too. Rightfully it should have because Chris Curtis, ugh, I can't stand that man. Action man. <laughs> you should rethink your nickname, dude. You are anything but action. Let's be okay. Let's be a little more charitable here. I'm pretty sure he didn't choose the name himself. Oh, number I two, bet he did. He seems like number the type. two. Well, he does seem like the type. <laughs> I'll admit that he does. He seem does like seem that. like the type. Come on, but he's put on. He had some bangers, sure, man. Sure, but you not know what? Not UFC, lately, unfortunately. Yeah. But he's had some bangers. Like you can't deny that. That's the thing. That's Show where it comes up to from. me in the octagon, and and we'll talk. Until then, this dude gets no pass from me. Wow, yo. Non-action. Non-action, man. Look at that. You 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 hate Chris Curtis. You hate women. You doing you doing so <gasps> much shot now today. You, you shut are just your full mouth. Of, I love women. You are you are just full of piss and vinegar today, woman. I can't believe this. <laughs> you are so unbelievable. Mean to me. <laughs> unbelievable. All right. Then we get to Neil Magny, the ultimate gicta. And for those of you out there that don't know what that means, there's <laughs> there's two ways you can frame it. A gict or a gicta. A gict is a guy I can't trust or a gal I can't trust. A gicta is a guy I can't trust anymore. Like period. That's the end of it. I can't I can never pick you in a fight again or you know a gal I can never trust again. Okay, Neil Magny is a gicta. So of course I don't ever pick him. I pick Mike Malott and Mike Malott God damn you, dude. You were winning that fight. What happened? You mm. dominated from the jump all the way up until you got a little bit too overzealous and you got stomped. In a yeah. very short span, too. It it was like 45 seconds, minute. No, I, I would say it was about a minute. About a minute long of... of a stomping, but if you had just lasted literally 15 more seconds, you would have won that fight. You know, speaking as a man who has also had a woman demand that he last just 15 more seconds, <laughs> I will tell you this. 
that was an epic fumble on the and you know what man like i ain't even i ain't even mad at him because he acquitted himself well for the rest of the fight he did great he he really put it on to magni but then it's like man all you needed was that last that last bit just to get to the across the finish line mm-hmm. and that's how this game is it's unforgiving bro it's rough yes, it's it it's is. a problem but I don't know. What does this really say about Malat? Right? Does he has he reached his ceiling? Is this it? Is no, this really? No, no. He's too. He's too young. Too fresh to the promotion. He's thirty two. Like I, you know, he's not. He's not exactly. Mm. You know, he's not a guy who's like you know twenty four. I just feel like he like maybe overshot his load. You know? Oh my God! See, now it's you doing it. You see what you're doing? Uh, yes, you see what you're I... doing? You're you're waiting for me to do it. See? You see? You can't get <laughs> mad at me for saying shit when you do something like this. This is the problem right now, my friend. This is the problem in America, all across the world, because it is right here what you're doing. <laughs> so, how about Rocky Pennington and Myra Bueno Silva? That wasn't a good fight either. You know, let's. It just... wasn't fun. It was not fun. It was gritty. It was tough, but it wasn't fun. And it was a hard for hard fought victory for Rocky, but. Aesthetically, it wasn't pleasing. Um, it's still a feel-good story because of the characters involved and the fact that Rocky finally reached the the mountaintop after years of toiling around, being on tough, and losing a bunch of fights and springing back and just hanging around. But you know, I mean, look, they're not they're not always a guarantee for excitement. Well, Raquel never is. That's right. no yeah. knock on her toughness or her ability. It's just her fi- fights are not fun to watch. Whether she's winning or losing. And right. in this one, you said it was tough, it was gritty. It was tough and gritty for two rounds. Myra was absolutely gassed by the end of round two. So it literally became a game of Raquel Pennington just tattooing her. It's the most boxing, it's the most effective boxing I've ever seen Rocky do. Mm. And um, for her, it was quite easy. For Myra Bueno Silva, that was the most grueling, taxing, brutal fight she's probably ever been in. Mm. She got her ass beat bad. She won a single round. She won the first round. The next four rounds, she got her butt beat. And it's like I said, I wrote this last week when I talked about, when I wrote up our our post. Um, I put, many a woman has declared that she was going to be the game changer in a Raquel Pennington fight. Not even Amanda Nunes could do it. It took Amanda Nunes well into the fifth round to finally put Rocky away. Let me tell you this. This is similar to what people have been saying about Drickus. I don't care how composed and organized you are. He will make you fight crazy. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the thing with Rocky. No matter what you try to do, she's not going to let you do it. She's not going to let you get off offensively. And she's not going to do it herself. To She's not going to take the risk that most other women take in order to ensure a finish. Raquel is methodical. Um, the term blue collar-like you know, um, skill set comes to mind because that's very much Rocky. And she's quite smart. Yeah. I'm happy for her. I'm glad. And for people out there saying that she probably won't hold it long. I don't know. I'm not going to call that too early. She is tough as shit. And she looks in pristine condition still. 
despite all of her many, many bouts and this, despite the fact she's 35, she still looks in very, very good condition. So <clears throat> we'll see because you know who is frequently injured? Juliana Pena. She's injured right now. Yeah. So she was supposed to be in this one. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know. I'm not going to just call it on Raquel Pennington just yet. All right. So we get to the main event. Drakus Duplessis defeating Sean Strickland in an absolute slop fest that had moments that looked good. I mean, if if I'm being super honest here, Sean Strickland's striking started out looking good. It devolved because of Duplessis. Because Duplessis' game... Uh, Ended up doing exactly what you were just describing, Victor. He made him fight different. You know, it, it happens in 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 all his fights where he starts off great with his jab. Yeah, yeah. You know, he definitely knows how to work that. He he just landed a ton of shots, but then you can't look at the entirety of the fight if you're somebody like oh god, and I'm, I'm I I I feel bad having to say it that that goddamn moron Tim Pool. Who I bet didn't even watch the fight. I oh well, it his... seems to me like yeah. looking at the numbers. Well, you you, you don't watch fights because it's not just about the numbers. Must I explain the principle of significant strikes yet again? If I hit, if you hit me fifty times in a round, and I don't get dropped once, I hit you five times. I drop you every one of those five times. Whose significant strikes count more? Yeah. And even if we're not going to get into the ethics and and, and and the the weighing of what strike counts more than which other, the main takeaway here should be that the numbers themselves, the stats themselves, are not the only thing to look at. You have to apply context. And there is a very significant societal problem in this country where we, when it comes to this and many other things, including the matters of public policy or in other sports, we do not look at proper context. If you look at that fight, yeah, he jabbed Drickus's head off. A good time, a good amount of times. Yes, I will applaud that. He did a great job at that. But then you look at the leg kicks. Then you look at the strikes that Drickus actually landed, the damage that he actually did. You can't be too mad at that. And I see the case for Strickland winning the fight. I can understand why people thought he won. I don't necessarily, I'm not even mad at that. But this is also a fight that wasn't really all that to write home about mm -hmm. to the point where I'm going to be all up in arms. They can have a rematch at some point down the line. I don't doubt that that's something that is likely to happen. I understand so far Dana was a, a very big boy and did not, did not immediately start spouting off and trying to make declarations the night of that fight. But Dana for now is not going to, um, yeah, not fond of the idea of having an immediate rematch, which, okay. Even Whatever. though he thought Sean Strickland won, I mean, I I don't know how anybody could score it for Sean Strickland, quite honestly. Uh, it, if you watch his strikes devolve into just spamming that, that whiffy overhand right that he kept spamming and missing with, yeah, come on. Yeah, um, um, no, that's, that's it's what it is, man. Look, you know, Sean... His the the Sean Strickland championship era ended pretty much the way we expected, not with a whimper, but a wet fart. 
It was what it was, and I don't even I, – I don't think he gets the belt again, frankly. I don't either. I don't either. I didn't think he'd get it the first time, though, so I'm willing to be wrong about that. But the, you look at the the utter mess in the top six or seven at middleweight, which, by the way, I will address in this week's mailbag. So uh, this Thursday, the day after you hear this, uh, you will be able to read more expanded thoughts on the middleweight picture and what all this means. But um, – yeah, they'll be fine. It's going to be okay. It's whatever. I mean, it's middleweight. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, I, I've reached that point of apathy. There's a reason PFL doesn't have a middleweight division. I, I do want to ask you one thing. Yeah. I, I'm on a- I'm going to give my opinion first, but I would love to hear what you think. You said, I don't think Sean Strickland gets the belt again. There is a con- contingency here, though. What if? What if? Is Izzy and Duplessis fight, and Izzy beats Duplessis, and then they want to pair Strickland up with Izzy again. The way Strickland beat Izzy the first time, that was... That was a demoralizing beating. It never ended in a finish, so he just beat him from pillar to post for all five rounds. I mean, I'll get, yeah, I, I'll I, give him that. Sure. I mean, Adesanya wasn't competitive in that fight at all. I mean, Sean literally came out the gate swinging. I would like to hope that Izzy and especially Eugene Behrman concoct a better contingency mm-hmm. plan or set of set of avenues to not allow for that to happen again. And Izzy gets much more motivated in his rematches. You know, we saw in the, uh, the Alex rematch, how he was able to come back after a devastating knockout loss. So I, you know, I, I don't think that he's, he's certainly a guy who's coachable and able to adjust between fights. I don't know what happened in that first one. I don't know why it didn't, uh, We didn't get what we thought we were going to get, which was a decorated and much more experienced striker outstriking a guy who's essentially a two note boxer. Uh, But that's that's not what we ended up with. We ended up with something very distinct, something very very different. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Indeed. All right, that's going to wrap up the free portion of our show. If you are a paid subscriber, stick around because we will be sumo stomping with Tim Bissell. Yes. If you're not, this is a great time to get your subscription started. You help us stay together. You help keep the site running. We appreciate you guys so much, both our paid and our free subscribers. We love all of you. Please hit the button, though. Anyways, stick around. We'll be right back with Tim Bissell. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.